Hi, this is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we are Two Teachers Talking. This is when Tony and I get together and talk about teaching, teaching in Japan, education in Japan, teaching at universities in Japan, trying to live in Japan, although Tony's no longer here and is retired. And you, by the way, Tony, I didn't realize this. We're close to the end of the semester here. I'm down to three semesters. I'm going to be retired like you really soon. That's so then it's going to be like man. two retired teachers talking. But it's three yeah. semesters was like really <laughs> scary. It was like I never thought of it in terms of like I sh- could have been counting down semesters. So my advice to people is when you're getting close to retirement, don't think about years. Think about how many more semesters you have to teach, and it will frighten you. But anyway, yes, it, it was. It's pretty scary. It's pretty scary, and it, and it goes by really fast. And um, as I think you have to uh, remind yourself to you know s- s- take a step back. And, and I know when you're in the midst of it, it's especially now. So this is like this time of the semester. Um, but really enjoy it. Enjoy the good stuff because there's a lot of good stuff there. And don't don't let it go by without savoring it and, and enjoying it. Um, and something I didn't tell you, Charles, I don't think. Maybe Are I did. Are you keeping secrets from me? Um, probably. <laughs> I uh, hope but, so. <laughs> uh, but the, this one is not intentional. Um but I have uh, I passed around on the teachers list that I have uh, this thing about uh, t- teachers for Ukraine, right? Uh, asking for you know, people to volunteer, and I've got and I've got myself a student. Um, we're doing our first session tomorrow, so uh, I volunteered and I'm teaching an hour a week. Uh, she's a university student whose career goal is to be a museologist. Museums, and uh, her shorter-term goal is to get into a master's program in English. She's a she's actually a third-year university student. So we're gonna we're gonna meet tomorrow morning and do a little Zoom set. Well, morning here, Sunday evening in Ukraine. I don't know what the hell time is in Japan. Middle of the night, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. But uh, so yeah, I'm teaching again. Wow, a volunteer teaching, which yeah. is the nice thing, I think. And for and it's doing something that's good work that's helpful, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it does feel good to be doing something yeah. good. Some pro bono, <laughs> I think it's called, right? Yeah, for yeah. free. Okay. Well, please tell me how that goes. We'll do. Okay. We'll do. All right. So where? But today, today, where was I? Where were we? Okay. So back to the real classroom. Back to the unretired world. Tony is. Yep. Uh, we were Tony and I were talking, right? You and I were talking, and this topic came up about what do you do when either you're running out of time or you have too much time left in the class? And this goes to two kinds of situations. The first one is that you've got your stuff that you want to cover, and all of a sudden you look and you realize that there's just no way I'm going to get this done in the last 25 minutes of the class. This is, you know, this for a variety of reasons, the students can be taking longer to accomplish the task. You've estimated incorrectly. Something has come up. Something has sidelined you. You've segued into something or the students have segued or something came up that was just more important than the, the lesson or the goals of that lesson. And the flip side of that 
uh, and this is one that's kind of um, sensitive maybe in some ways, is what happens when you're done early, right? We teach 90-minute classes in Japan, and there are often times where, you know, you're done at 70 minutes or 75 minutes or 65 minutes. But most of the places where I've worked – they do not look positively at teachers finishing 15 minutes, even if it's an occasional thing. It's not like, you know, you always finish 15, 20 minutes early. But I know that uh, there are places where if you let your students out 15 minutes, 20 minutes early, because it's like, okay, I've just finished the task, there's going to be an email message to you. Somebody's going to make a comment or it's going to look down or look badly on you. So what we're talking about is how to deal with those two problems, which are really the same problem, but you know, just different sides of the same coin, I think. So which one should we start with, Tony? What to do when you finish, you're done early or when you're running behind? Well, I, I thought we also would be maybe before oh, I should that talk yes. about Go ahead. The, yeah, the time, the, how to save time in the first place. So kind of how to get you prevent at least one of those scenarios from unfolding and doing things and that will just help you get more done with less time and, and maybe less work. Okay. Um, but, uh, and, and so a lot of it is stuff that we've talked about before. And, uh, and, the, and the format that we're going for is that, you know, you'll say something, I'll say something. We're just, we don't, we don't have a grand plan. We're just, we're kind of winging it. And we're just uh, throwing out our ideas. So there'll be a lot of small ideas being thrown out there. Um, and so I guess that'll maybe help people stay awake. There's no big reveal today. No big reveal. Right. But a lot of, a lot of takeaways, we hope. Okay. And this is kind of based on our rapid fire kind of episodes yeah. where, you know, we'll just kind of go through things. So we're not going to go too much into depth into too much depth about things, but more just kind of hopefully we'll be able to provide, you know, some useful techniques or strategies or tactics that teachers can use if they find themselves in these situations. Yeah. And so, and, and uh, I, th I think this, not, not ironically, but appropriately, uh, this time saver part will be, Brief. is <laughs> very efficient and, and get it really fast. <laughs> I hope right? yeah, that one should definitely so save be brief. some time so we, we can spend uh, a little more time on, on the other things. Yeah. But um, you want to start, Charles? You want me to go? I'd like you to go. I thought you would. Of course, please, after you. <laughs> okay. So um, things that can save you time in, in, the, in the classroom or, or outside the classroom, too. Um, forget paper, anything. Uh, you, how, especially those of us who are a little bit older, I remember how many hours, uh, we've spent standing in front of like photocopy machines or, um, mimeograph machines. Uh, you mean the hand cranked ones? There was, there were those two. There were those two. Yeah. For but, the people um, who don't remember, don't, you got, who are too young to understand this, this is kind of like telephones that had dials in them. Okay. <laughs> A mimeograph like that, machine yeah. is basically – it's a machine that basically creates like uh, an ink print and it actually has like ink in it and you – It's a rotating a drum. A rotating drum that has the paper on it and 
the paper, a master. Yeah. And then the paper would be printed that would run through it. And I remember these used to be cranks and we, yep. I was so impressed when they finally had one that was actually electric. But anyway, so that's what a mimeograph machine is. It was um, the predecessor, predecessor to um, efficient and effective Xerox machines that could print a lot. Copy machines yep. that could print a lot. Anyway. But yeah, they're now so called making, lithographs, aren't so, they? Yeah, Risographs in Japan, I think. Yeah, Riso, Riso. Riso Maybe that's a company, right? Yeah, that Riso. makes the kind. It's the same. It's the same makes technology. Actually. No, it's <laughs> actually the same technology. It, it yeah, it, but it Xeroxes the original and then turns that into the inking, <laughs> the original master print, and then the papers just get inked on. Right, it's yeah. inked. Okay. So anyway, go ahead. So how many hours? In so anyway, forget paper or anything. So whether it's making copies, whether it's distributing the paper in class, collecting paper in class, let alone spreading disease in class, um, just forget the paper. Just get get it digital. And uh, we, we'll talk about this in a, in a couple of contexts, um, saving time. You know, get used to and learn how to use the technology in the classroom be there with a computer, a phone, an iPad, or a tablet of some kind, and uh, and a projector or a screen. Boom, it's there. And not only just for, for giving information, but like also for interactive stuff. So, yeah, have, have files that the kids can get on their own and then do something with. It's save, it saves you so much time once you get into the habit of doing that. Okay, you. Yeah, I was going um, to just add on to that, which is uh, one of the advantages if you have something like on a website or you're using like an LMS or something and you have the students using their phones for that, it just stops them from using their phones for other things. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, oh, you got to have this page open. I mean, they're still going to do that. But I would say that that's one that's really good is that you save yourself a lot of time there. The other thing is, uh, again, with the technology – even if you don't like the technology, figure out what's the minimum that you can use that will help you save time. Because there's no reason any longer to print things, I think. And the other thing to do is to use things like uh, Google Forms for submissions. And if you're one of those people who's out of school and you're part-time, let's say, and you want to use Google Forms, but the school is very strict about using something like Google Forms and student names and student uh, student numbers. What you, um, I've come up with a system, and this is how I get around it: is that um, you look at your roll sheet, and the first student in your roll sheet is zero one, and the fourth person, for example, is zero four. So you go one, two, three, four, and you use zero one. By the way, zero two, zero three, zero four, because uh, Excel will not sort properly if you do that. Um, and I'm jumping around here because I'm trying to be quick, but the idea is that. If, for example, you take your first class of the week and you call that your A class and the second class you teach is B, the third class you teach is C, and then let's say you change to Tuesday and that becomes your first period is your D class, E class, F class. If you put prepend A, B, C, D, whatever that is for your class, and then the students, you use the position on the roll sheet as an assigned number, you get something like A17. And you and the student are the only people who know the number, and the school can't say anything to you because there's no private information being used by Google or any kind of outside agency or you know website or service. Did that make sense? It it makes sense, and um, um, I've never done that because hmm, 
reasons. But uh, Google Forms uh, certainly on my list. Talk about uh, saving time. Um, not only uh, and, and your 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 hints there for keeping things anonymous and maintaining privacy are are really important. But uh, yes, using Google Forms for assignments, uh, surveys. Because the when you when you learn it, um, it, it sets up its own self scoring, and it's it's all right there. It's like you don't you don't need to do anything if you have your answers lined up. Um, every student makes submits their form. They have their score. <laughs> you take that and you put that into my next suggestion for um, uh, time saving, which we've beat to death. So I don't mean to talk too much about it more. But spreadsheets. I don't know anyone who's not using spreadsheets anymore. Do you? Um, I don't know anyone who, at all <laughs> anymore. I don't know anyone at I, all. I don't, period. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what people are doing. I, okay, I, I every, really nobody. Don't know. I only. But I my, think there's only one person. My I, I guess know. is that there are people who are not using spreadsheets. I think that, as I remember it, there are a lot of people. Well, again, this was pre-COVID. Um, there were a lot of people very resistant to the idea. And I remember seeing a number of teachers um, with their, you know, their grades were, were all on paper. Okay. Well, but I don't, but now I don't know. Well, here's, here's a reason. If you're still resisting using spreadsheets, this is going to save you a lot of time is that we make quizzes or tests with five, 10, 20 questions because that works out really easily to turn into 100 and you can do the math in your head. But if you use a spreadsheet, <laughs> if you only have like, you know, seven points or 18 points or, you know, you don't have to keep adding questions on, right? The spreadsheet will figure out the score for you, figure out the percentage. So you can give up on five or 10 question quizzes, right? You could say, ah, you know what? Three questions is fine or six questions is fine. And you don't have to sit there with your calculator every time kind of going, you know, 11 out of 18 is what percent, for example. So that's a way to save time as well, Tony. And it's an argument for spreadsheets. So if you're not using spreadsheets, it's kind of like, I'm sorry, but get with it. That's like, you still have a dial phone? (laughs) It's... But I don't know. And I actually, I think I might only know, I know one person who might not be using a spreadsheet. But ah, but going back to the Google Form thing, though, you do have to be careful. Google Form can automatically grade when you're in quiz mode, okay? And it'll generate the scores. But you have to put the answers in ahead of time. And if it's an open-ended kind of question where this, it's it, Google can't really grade that. Multiple choice is pretty good. True, false are pretty good. And like one or two word answers will work. But if you do use Google Forms, you got to have a problem with spelling, right? And so I have to tell students whenever I use Google Form, and if it's a one or two word answer, you have to say, sorry, spelling counts, especially if it's like a vocabulary check. Good point. Right. And then you should also put in the answers, both words like capitalized and lowercase, so, for example, if something is like the word, you know, I taught my students hang out, you know, to hang out with your friend, that it had to be done with capital H, capital O, right? Capital H for hang, capital O for out. Then it had to be lowercase h, lowercase o, then uppercase h, lowercase o, and lowercase o, uppercase h. Otherwise, Google will mark it wrong. So right. there's a little extra work, but that'll save you time in the long term. And then – 
the great thing about that, of course, is exporting to Google Sheets, right? Right. You know, and then just turn that into like numbers or Excel and by downloading it. But um, please remember if you do use the system I described, you do need to use 01 through 09. Otherwise, you'll get into some real sorting orders problems. Okay. And, and maybe three, three digits if your classes are big. Not too many of those anymore. When's the last no, time you taught there's, more there's, than 99 I students? never did. I never did. Yeah, actually, I have like I have two sessions. Sections. I teach this um, omnibus lecture course on elementary school education. And there I have like 130 kids in a class or something. But Okay. So Google Forms, use the uh, tech. Stu- student self-scoring. Mm. Uh, always, is whenever you can, um, have your – create your – assignments or your activities in such a way that either the student can score the the assignment himself or herself um, online perhaps um, and so that they're submitting their own scores as well or if you even if it's like for example uh, either with, in pairs where they grade each other groups um, again it takes some creativity to Avoid the obvious. <laughs> You're all rolling your eyes. I can I can see it. <laughs> it's like, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can I can see those eyes rolling back. But with with a little bit of effort and some creativity, um, the way that the the assignments are set up, um, it put all that on them, and it it's not a cop out because when they are evaluating another student's work. Uh, that is worth, they're, they're learning. That's a, that's a learning activity. It's not just, you know, trying to slough off your work onto the students. They're learning. And yeah, it's like, okay, it's double and you've done, save yourself all kinds of work. Yeah. And here's another way to save time, which is you give the quiz and you can give the quiz via a website or you can even put it up on a projector. And then you have the students self-score. But this is what I do is I'll do, for example, question one. I'll show question one on the screen or I'll read question one. They answer the question and then I say, okay, put your pencils, pens down, pick up your red pen. And it's immediate scoring after each question. So they're actually learning. They're getting immediate feedback on whether it was right or wrong. And I think that's quite valuable. I like that. I like that. I thought immediate feedback. That that's pretty. Yeah, good. Well, even, there's some even good. though you used paper, we're right. Because um, yeah, instead of, but yeah, but still, it's it's, it's nice because it's it's there and and they've got the document in their hand. There's no there's no paper floating right. around. And the other thing you can do, and of course, there's problems with cheating, right? And let's just face it, sure. there's always going to be problems with cheating. And when we think we catch cheaters, we're only you know it's the tip of the iceberg. I'm convinced, but. What I'll do in that kind of situation is I'll have the student – let's say there's a – they have to write the answers, okay? And they could put it into Google Forms, but um, – and that makes it hard for them to add the points and stuff. So what I do is usually I'll say, please write on a piece of paper. So you just get those blank pieces of paper you can pick up in the office, pass it out. Students write their answers and then they mark them and you say, are there any questions to check the answers? And then what I do is I have them go to the Google Form, use their assigned student number. And type in their score. 
And then I can collect the papers if necessary, but I usually try not to. Um, and they, they actually enter the scores themselves. So I'm actually doing zero grade entry at that point. And that saves a lot of time as well. And, you know, you just try to, you know, hope that, you know, people don't cheat. And usually I found out that students are pretty good about it. It's it's an unusual student who will actually cheat out of like 35 students. You know, I mean, most of the time it's zero. But, you know, out of 103 periods a day, maybe one. But it's pretty rare. Yeah, a lot depends on where the you're school. teaching. <laughs> a lot depends. That's very on true. Let me school. rephrase. At yeah. most where of the I schools teach, where yeah. I've taught, it's been fine. There's been a couple of yeah, other schools I mean, yeah, where no, you would never, too. you could never do this. You could never use self-reporting. It would not work. Yeah. Okay. So that's another thing. And again, if you've never used Google Forms, look into it because the export the responses into a Google spreadsheet called Google Sheets. Unbelievable time saver. That's an unbelievable time saver as well. Okay. Other time savers, Tony? Oh, I thought it was your turn. Is it my turn? Well, that's another time saver is give the work to somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The other thing is always um, what you – it's kind of building on this is assign as much work as possible to the students. Right. Um, You know, especially, for example, like explanations is – uh, you know, have an explanation, have the students read it, have them check with each other, then put them into groups, different groups, and have them explain and make sure everybody understands is a whole lot better than sometimes going, you know, one, two, you know, through 10 different steps trying to explain things. Is give students responsibility for tr- understanding and sharing and making sure that everyone in their group understands is another way that I would save time instead of giving just, you know, like a, um, you know, point by point explanation. Right. And um, yeah, you, I have, have the same actually item on my list as well. And it, if it, it's kind of like a theme that's getting developed here, it's like do, share, analyze, um, uh, write something. So if it's a, it doesn't have to be a writing class, um, you know, you show them a short video. Okay. Write something about the video, summarize it, or, you know, Write your comments about one character, about one event or one action, something that takes place. <clears throat> Have give them some time to write. Share it with either an individual or a group. Uh, have the individuals or the group write their comments and return it to the original writer. Mm. I want to run with that for just a second. Um, peer editing in writing classes for outlines and drafts is unbelievably valuable and an excellent use of students' time. Absolutely. The research really points to the fact that if you fix something, if you comment on a student's paper, they'll say, thank you very much, they'll fix it, and then they'll make the same mistake again the next time. But if they're doing the peer editing and they're finding the mistakes, and I give a a peer editing, you know, guide check sheet, you know, check this, check that, check that, right? Excellent. And then I... I don't give a whole lot of feedback anymore. You know, I'm not spending, you know, days commenting on students' papers. I can just focus. You don't need to. Right. That's the magic. Yeah, yeah. They, they really do improve. I mean, there's obvious yes. improvement from the peer editing. But I, I try to comment then on their ideas because that might be a little bit of the weak point for my students. Is that they'll be good about finding, you know, paragraph structure, fixing sentences, making sure the logical relationships between sentences work. 
uh, you just have to comment on ideas. But um, the old thing of going through a hundred and you know twenty students rough drafts and commenting yeah, and writing right. good job 30 times it's yeah <laughs> or yeah. needs work on spelling right no no <clears throat> mm. yeah and uh like another way to do it you know you know to, again to saving time um for the class you have maybe two different readings article sh- short story whatever depending on you know, how long depending on the level of the class split the class in half Half the class gets one mm-hmm. version. The only gets the other. Give them a partner. The partners tell each other what they read, tell the story. Then write the write, write either about the, your partner's story or write about a comparison, depending on what stories you've chosen. Mm. Um, write a comparison of the story that you read and the story that your partner read. Mm. Right. Retelling activities. I think that's what those are called. The other thing to do also, if you want to save time, and by the way, when we're talking about saving time, we're talking about saving the teacher's time and prep mainly, um, I think, or as I tell my students. Prep prep time primarily, but class time as well. Well, As I tell my students, I don't want to work. I want you to work. I'm, (laughs) I'm fluent already. But the other thing to do is whenever you put students into groups, for example, let's say they're talking about their weekends or they're reporting on some assignment, make sure that the students who are listening are taking notes. They're doing note-taking and then have them retell, put them into another group and say, okay, this is what I heard. Student number one said this about their weekend. They went here, here, here. Student number two did this, this, this. And now you've got your group work is now turned into not only just production and reception, but it's also note-taking, retelling, which means that you've got reinforcement and that you also have your students asking, you know, require each listener to ask an open-ended question to the speaker and voila, you've got, you know, a really good set of, uh, you know, listening and speaking activities that are now also kind of like a writing activity. And if they're using their notes to explain it later, you've turned it into a reading activity as well. And you're recycling all and the recycling skills that you use also. Yes. And reinforcing and note taking. Okay. This is why I need to take notes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's the other. And all, and again, all this, it's really great for the students, and it's saving you time. <laughs> mm. But actually, and, um, yeah, I was going to say, Tony, just sorry to interrupt here, but I found that most of the things that save me time actually are always good for the students. There's very little that I think would be like a time saver. I mean, unless, of course, you go into class and you say, okay, open up your textbooks to page 12 and do exercises 1, 2, and 3, and then page 13, exercises 4, 5, 6. But pretty much don't know anybody who does that. But I find that by offloading the work onto the students, right, they're they're just benefiting in so many different ways. They're just benefiting. So don't feel like you're not doing your job. And the other thing I want to just run with here, and this is for especially for beginning teachers, is that there's a when I work with the students who are doing their teacher training and there's going to be student teachers, what I tell them is, you know, a good metric is to measure the amount of time that you talk and the amount of time that the students talk and turn that into a ratio. And if you're 
talking time is over 50 minutes of 50% of a class, you're way over. You're yeah, way yeah. over. And that gives them a good way to be able to actually create, you know, operationalize for lack of, you know, for using the technical term, to really create a metric that they can actually use to say, ah, this was an interactive class, or there was enough production in the class, and I wasn't talking too much. Because people will overestimate the amount or underestimate the amount of teacher talking time yeah, when I ask yeah, them. that's for sure. For sure. Okay. So the last thing that I've got is, um, and I don't do, I don't know if you still use it, Socrative. I was about to talk about that no, with um, okay. Google Forms. Great minds think alike. Because, yeah, like, like Google Forms, re- very, very convenient, easy-to-use tool, and the Socrative is also a real-time saver. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, the advantage of Socrative over Google Forms, and I'm sure you could do this with Google Forms, but I haven't seen it yet. Socrative, you can put everything into a spreadsheet. They actually give you a formatted spreadsheet, and you could put your questions and the answers into the spreadsheet and just upload it. And that works a whole lot faster than you know doing each question separately and adding a question and setting the kind of the type of question. So yeah, Socrative, um, but I haven't used Socrative in a long time. Been mainly using Google Forms, I think. Although Microsoft. Teams also has a form function, but I don't want to talk about Microsoft. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't used uh, that at all, and, and it's been a long time since I've used Socrative as well. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and I'm a little bit foggy on you know the, the advantages of Google Forms versus Socrative and things. The disadvantage, I guess, of course, is that it's a, it's a, another thing. Uh, most of the students are kind of used to Google Forms and things. Yes. They have to do another thing. It's another website. It's another login. Another kid needs to remember the passwords. Right, and exactly. It's another thing. But it, it but it works really, really yeah, well. Yeah. And speaking that, of that, is if you do use something like Socrative or you're going to use Google Forms and the school doesn't use like Google Classroom, what I suggest you do is have the students create a throwaway email address. You know, on the first day of class, say, hey, I want everyone to make like a, you know, what I call the junk email address. Create an email address with either Google or Yahoo or I don't care what that is only for signing in to these kinds of things. And that ensures a lot of privacy and solves a lot of problems with the school. Because I know, Tony, um, the place where you used to work and that I work at now, thanks oh. to you, yes, I had yes. to take um, a online computer information technology security course. And otherwise uh-huh. they were going to ex- they wouldn't allow me to use the, their system. Their like, you know, access, you know, like student names and anything I had to, do that. And one of the things that this school had and the other school where I work at also has, it's very clear, student numbers do not go outside of the school. They're really strict about that. So I just, again, going back to that system that I said about, you know, set each of your classes in order as A, B, C, D in the order of the week. And it doesn't matter if you're at different schools because it goes just Monday straight to Friday and you set those numbers based on the roll sheet, nobody knows. I've actually gone into a school and said, hey, this is my system. 
is this okay? And every time I've done that, they kind of go, that's a really good system. Yeah, that's okay. Sure. We should tell other people to do that. (laughs) So I think that things have gotten a lot stricter in the last few years, and especially since you've finished teaching. Yeah, I guess sounds like yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because I, I had none of that. You never and, had to yeah. take like a. It was a, yeah. It was still kind of the wild, wild west, and there might have been policies and things, and well, you know me, yeah. I just ignored them and uh, did did my own thing. <clears throat> I did it my way. Yeah, but what, so anyway, so this was. Can I just all kinds of things that can save time in the classroom, and nevertheless, sometimes. Um, you either do you do a real good job, and you've saved so much time that you, end, as Charles was talking about before, you end up finishing your classes. <laughs> you, you finished everything you wanted to do, and you got twenty minutes left on the clock. Um, and on, that's one one scenario. There's another time where you come in like you're really prepared, you got everything nailed down, you think, and you begin doing what you're doing, and it is crashing. There's flames everywhere in the classroom. Kids are oh. <laughs> thinking about excuses to get out of the room. It's, just, it's like, oh, can I go to the bathroom? It's going to say, my, my, my grandmother died. So how do I, how do I get out of here? So you, you know, you get to a certain point where you really don't have the option. You need to abandon your, your plan and out of your bag of tricks, out of your hat or, any anatomical orifice <laughs> that you might choose, um, you're pulling something out. And um, so what do you got? And that's kind of one of the things that um, uh, when you're a beginning teaching, you think only happens to you. <laughs> no, no kid. No, it's like every class. It's like every it, class. It, hap- it happens all the time. Actually, Tony, I think it increases as you go on as a teacher because well, you notice it. Yes, exactly. It, you, in the beginning, you think everything's working. You don't realize that the students have checked out. Right, because you know there's such a cognitive yeah, load in the beginning yeah, when you're yeah. teaching. You're so focused. Then at, once you've developed, you know, some kind of automaticity, you know, you're on autopilot when you teach. Suddenly, so you're like, "Wow, I bore my students a lot." <laughs> <laughs> but I think maybe, maybe maybe this isn't a job for me. I'm not very good at but, this. But instead of you know just thinking about these things, what we call you know the. the our toolkit or our, um, what is it? The the bag of tricks. Who was that? It was a cartoon from our childhood, right? Felix the cat, wasn't it? Felix the cat with his. his I remember his him. Bag I of tricks. Did he have a bag of tricks? Yeah, Felix. maybe he did. Yeah, I think it was Felix the maybe. cat. Tricks, Felix, Lawrence. Okay, that's him. all right. Anyway, is that it's not just that you're it's something's crashing and burning. You might need to change the mood of the classroom. You mean you? And yeah, you almost need to, right? Because right. you really need to, to to really make a radical shift, right? But I'm saying that sometimes stuff is not working, not just because your lesson plan isn't working. This is the mistake. No, I think it's because the class teacher. that they had just before yours, where they 
have a test the next time and it's going to be covered like the whole textbook or something. Right. And they're all panicking and that's all they want to do and they want to get out. Or it could be just a low energy day. It could be, you know, somebody said something to somebody that said something to somebody and they're not in the best. Yeah. They got to test next period. Yeah, exactly. So what do you do to pull stuff out of your hat? Um, And they're a little bit different. If it's a mood thing, I go to games. So if I feel like it's not that the lesson plan, okay, the lesson plan isn't working because of the mood of the students is really different that the lesson plan isn't working because it's just not working. And I, I miscalculated like background knowledge or, oh, you know, the students, for example, didn't do the homework, right? Et cetera. Um, but when it's the mood thing, I think games are a really good way to pull a game just do a quick like five ten minute game to really change the atmosphere of the class, you know. And these are, um, you know, I think we start with um, the one that students really like is uh, teacher says, which is Simon says, just changing it with teacher. Okay. And um, I have a lot of fun with that. You can um, have fun with that. Uh, the other one, of course, Japanese is fruit basket, but that is a game where you say, you know, like I like my classmate who is wearing. You know, um, like uh, long sleeve shirts, for example, and they have to change seats. But that requires a classroom that the students can move around. And I think there might be some safety issues now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's the Japanese game. I think it's called Shidotori or something, where each student has to say a word, but the word has to be based on the last sound of the previous word. Mm-hmm. Right, so you'd have to say something like class, school, library, right? E, you know, which is which is a lot better than like the traditional telephone game. Yes, because they learn very quickly how to game that by just saying every word with like the most atrocious katakana pronunciation you can imagine, and then yeah, the message gets through, and it's like that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's that they don't – right, telephone can be a fun game just to see how incredibly insane the final right? – <laughs> but yeah, you can I know, do that. Sure how then there's hangman yeah. or hang person. But Hangman, for sure. Yeah. Hangman and, wor- and word scramble. Right, right. Word scrambles always work. Um, can we do – so If you always anymore? got like, for example, some like voca- – a list of vocabulary for – you know, what you've been doing, like that particular unit, you know, the units that you've got. Sometimes it's right there for you in the textbook in the back, mm. you know, all, all the things like unit one vocabulary, unit two vocabulary. And you just, you know, scramble the letters, put them up there. Or, you know, hangman. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a real, it, it, it talk about like changing and breaking the mood. Those are, those are great because it's a, it engages the whole class. And what's really important is to put them into teams, groups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then have them competing with each other and giving points. Yes. That'll that makes such a difference. And then you're getting the interaction within the groups, right? And they're helping each other. Exactly, exactly. It's and pure unintentionally, yeah, but they're they're right, helping each exactly. other. Exactly. Right? So anything like hang hangman. Can we even say hangman? I'm sure like there's some place where it's hang like, person. Well, you, we have to probably change it, you know, because hang could be like maybe seeing somebody hanging might be difficult for somebody. Okay, so games like uh, um, Teacher Says is an individual game, I think. But, you know, Hangman, Word Scramble, Sentence Scramble, right? Story Scrambles, all should be done uh, as uh, 
group work. The other thing is the uh, what is it called? It's like a five three two or three two one activity where students have to talk for three minutes and tell a story about their weekend or their vacation or their plans. And then you put them into another room and you reduce it down to two minutes. They have to tell the story. Then finally, they have to tell the story as one minute so that they're recycling the information but condensing it. That's mm-hmm. another thing to do. Um, I have a um, a game that I play or used to play. Um, Frequently, depend, depending on the classes, because because for for some of the classes they were they were too cool, but um, uh, just as a little game to get you know just people relax, use English, get to know each other. Um, each person would like tell a give a short autobiography, but it was very structured, right? So it, and more you know the lower the level, the more structured it was. But we would uh, have them say like, okay, so. You know, my name is, I'm from my favorite food, a little pronunciation practice there. And then future, a little grammar challenges, and, you know, good thoughts. Someday I want to, right? And so person one says, you know, hi, I'm Tony. I'm from Chicago. Um, uh, my favorite food is watermelon, and um, I, I like skiing, and someday I want to retire in Mexico. Then the second person tells his or her story and then repeats the first person's story. And then the third person has to tell his or her story, tells the second person's story and then tells the first person's story. And they go, and of course that has the added advantage of when you do it the second time, everybody wants to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 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 And so, and and, then, so, you know, explains this. Well, yes, you know, don't panic. Just say, ask, what's your name? <laughs> Where are you from? Right, and then they they, they begin to relax. And so I, I do that at the beginning. You can also use that later in the year. Well, like in one of these cases, like okay, I'm stuck. I don't know what the hell to do. And you just change it, right? Mm. What do you, what did you do last weekend? Favorite music, whatever it is, three or four sentences. It's the memory game. They talk to each other. You know, my mm. favorite favorite musical artists. Um, summer vacation plans, whatever whatever it is, just pull pull out of your hat uh, if that's where it is. Um, three or four of these items. It's like okay, you put people in groups. Boom, go. Um, wait till they're done. If you you, know, if you still have time left, okay, mix the groups up. Do it again. Hmm. That's a nice one. Yeah, I do a thing called uh, help a gaijin. Ah, I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think most teachers know this one, which is where you turn to your students and you say, you know, I know nothing about manga. I want you guys to give me a list of the manga I should read, or I don't know good places to go in Japan or in the city you're in, or, you know, what, what, what would be, you know, Japanese food that I don't know about that you guys know about that you think I would love, or what food would, you know, really frighten me? Um, books, movies, things. So that's, always um, works pretty well, actually, um, because they get to laugh at how little I know about Japan, <laughs> <laughs> especially like when they do the like the manga thing, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's really fun when they come up with food that they think I would never eat, right? And it's like they put sushi and sashimi there. <laughs> 
It's like, no, 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 no. It's those tiny little fish. Kids, I live in Japan. Yeah, it's like, the, yeah, it's like those tiny little fish. I would have avoided this country if I couldn't eat sashimi. Yeah, or something. It's kind of funny, but uh, that's real fun. And then they, they get surprised when you share with them what food you don't like. Uh-huh. And um, it's that's interesting. So that's another thing you can do to off, you know, the top of your head kind of activity to do. Um, of course, you can always do the pop quizzes. Just pop a quiz on them. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach them. Right. Exactly. That kind of, yeah, that ruins the mood. And then you have to play a game after that. Um, the, the other thing we should point out, too, is, again, um, the importance of having access to tech if you can. Right. Yes. 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 You know, it makes, that, yes. Absolutely. You know, because also, how do you, especially when it's off the cuff, how do you get it to them? Unless exactly. you have a, a, a way to get that to them. It's got to be either um, you know, the old way with a screen on the board, or some other way of like getting it onto their their own devices. Mm. And one thing you can do um, is you can all if you, for example, have your own website or something, but you don't use it regularly. Um, you know, is the bar is the QR code, and make yeah, sure you know yeah. that your students have your QR code, or you can even just put you know a QR code up on a screen, and somebody else just take a picture of it or something. I don't know if it works on a screen, but you know, put it out a piece of paper or a board. But the thing is, is that make sure you have Wi-Fi connection to the school, and make sure you've got the projector and the screen. It really does make it. And make sure they have the Wi-Fi connection yeah, too. Yeah, well, I don't. They can use their cellular connection. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I don't have enough money to pay for the textbook. Really? Yeah, I don't have enough money. Oh, that's a really nice iPhone 13. Is that the Pro Max? Yeah, it's the Pro Max. Right? It's like, okay, and you don't have enough money for the textbook kind of thing. It's kind of always funny. But make sure that you have access to the screen because it does let you improvise. It does let you, you know, pull things out of your hat. And it makes it worthwhile to get the key to get access to the remote control that is behind the glass door because people think that students will steal the remote control, <laughs> which is just like, I just don't understand that, right? But they'll steal the batteries. I've never seen that. <laughs> I, I, really? Will they? I don't know. Do people even – nobody uses those batteries anymore. Everything's <sighs> rechargeable. I don't know. I think that that's a that's a myth. But I just like why, you know, just put it under the desk where all the teachers know. You know, the remote control. Nobody's going to steal it. And if you're really worried, then just carry your own, carry two like you know sets of batteries with you or something. I don't know. But it really does make a difference if you can, you know, put something on the screen that students can see. And a lot of times you can do that with just like an image, right? You know, pull an image out of one of these. Uh, websites like you know unsplash or whatever put it up and then have students start talking with each other about it ask them okay yeah, make a story make a, put, a, put a them story in a group make a story and if it's even a and then put them in you know switch the groups around to share your story with somebody else yeah and uh saying you could do that with images um or you know other kind of story prompts if you know again if you're half prepared for it and have some ideas about things so yeah okay this is, you know, you start, you have the beginning of a story, and then they have to finish it, and then they can compare and contrast with, with people from other groups, those kinds of things. Um, and even if it's a beginning class, Tony, let's say, or a lower level class, yeah. put the picture up and say, list all the nouns you see. 
right? Dog, there you person, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do the adjectives. Then you can do verbs, although verbs is pretty hard. But you can do that. And then, again, it's a game. Put them into groups and see who can come up with the most adjectives, who can come up with the most nouns, right? And, again, that's just real good practice. And that is a good one for even you know students who are at the beginning level, right? Yeah, I did. In fact, I, I did that. And I had a file full of – especially strange photos. Right. So it was somewhere in, um, I'm guessing like, like Afghanistan and there's like, there are people moving, escaping, you know, and there's a, a donkey pulling a cart and the cart is piled probably 30 feet high. Um, there was a picture of like a very sumo-esque guy with a ballerina tutu. There's uh, some, okay. I think uh, you should stop with that image. A That's clown, like- <laughs> a clown, a clown throwing a, a pie in Bill Gates's face. Um, I, I, there's about fifteen or twenty of these photos, and yeah, that, that I would. That's exactly what I would use it for. It's like, okay, let's pull out the, the, the let's pick out the, pull out the picture file. And it's like, okay, what's going on in this story? <laughs> well, how did this happen? Right. And uh, yeah, it's. Nice, but yeah, you don't really need to be prepared because there's, you know, photos, images, they're they're everywhere. Right. And what's nice about that is, I know you do the the story idea. I've done that, but if you start with nouns, yeah, with the lower level classes, exactly what you said. Even with the more advanced classes, start them up with the nouns, start them up with the verbs, start them out with the adjectives, and then have them create the story. Cool. And then what I do, though, is the, the other thing you can do is you have the nouns, the verbs, the adjectives. They've looked, and then you turn off the projector and say, now make a story. You can also, you know, look nice. at the picture. Yeah, I'm going to turn it off in two minutes, and they, they'll start writing. This is for your more advanced classes. And then they have to do the story. They're telling their stories. Put the, the image back on after like five minutes or ten minutes. Say it's on for a minute or two. Take your notes. Turn it off. And then you can um, have a little bit of fun. You just put like a different image on. <laughs> and they're like, huh? What? <laughs> and that's just checking to see if they're – yeah. And that kind of wakes them up. So you can do that as well. But that's that's another thing for time savers, by the way, is whenever you have an activity or any kind of assignment or task, whatever, always think about creating different levels of proficiency that that activity can be done with. And there are certain activities that can't be done that way. For example, write a you know, three-paragraph essay or a five-paragraph right. essay, the famous thing. That can only be done with certain level of students. But these things like images or conversations or talk with your partner or work with your partner um, can be done at different levels. The word scramble, for example, just use bigger words, right? Yeah. And one way to do that is is if you have access to, in terms of vocabulary, you know, the different, you know, vocabulary frequency lists, you know, um, K1, K2, K3, K4, you know, in the thousands, get up to something like, you know, the 4,000 to 5,000 most frequent words, you're going to start getting longer words, right? Because there's that interesting relationship that as word frequency goes down, word length increases, and as word frequency increases, word length decreases. So that just lets you do the same activity with different levels. And you can do the same thing with a sentence scramble. Again, how simple or complicated. So one of the things to do is to get a little bit of practice with varying, you know, variation, okay, 
for the activity. And again, what you've just done is you've put 10 things into your toolkit, but they work for every possible class, regardless of level. And I think that's a key thing to saving time and also to improving your efficiency when those moments when, uh oh, I need to do something different or I need to change the mood. So let's see some other suggestions. Anything else? Yeah, I, got a, I, I got a couple. I got a couple of more. Go for it. Um, just like with your images, um, I also in my in my hat, uh, my bag of tricks, uh, several pages of riddles, and depending on the you know again this is maybe not for beginners and things, and sometimes the they need to see it on a on a projector or something, but um, for some of the classes are. You know, high level enough that you could just do it orally. Just read the riddle and, you know, put them in groups as, you know, as you suggested before. Um, and each group has to like, figure out the, the riddle. Um, and they, they, they love it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, another one that's, um, kind of fun, uh, if you have the, the, the room and the, the space for it, uh, the, uh, thing like, who am I? Um, mm. Where they uh, write a um, series of sentences about themselves, and then on a piece of paper, and then they the group mixes up the pieces right. of paper, mm-hmm. and then they read. It's like okay, you know, I like I like horses. Um, I was I was born in Nara. Um, you know, I have six sisters. <laughs> Say who? Okay, which who in the group? Who is this in the group? Right. Or you, you know, you do it in groups and put them all in a class and then like have them vote and see who's going to be. So anyway, all kinds of variations you can do on that. And, you know, for the, for the wankers, you can always just like give them a crossword puzzle. <laughs> I've, I've seen people, I've been, people do this. That was, that was their class. They did walk in, they pass out crossword puzzles. Kids would start working on crossword puzzles. They'd pull out a newspaper, sit in the desk, and read the paper. But um, I have used crossword puzzles, uh, and uh, I made them. You know, I use a software program, and I use the vocabulary from the lessons, mm. uh, usually the week before a test, so that they get a chance to uh, prepare and things like that. I never used it as a uh, fall back in, in this context and things, but I'm not saying that crossword puzzles don't have their, have their place, but, uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're great for vocabulary review for, for, for quizzes and for tests. Yeah. yeah I just want to go back to the, the teacher pulling out the newspaper and in defense of teachers reading a newspaper kind of <laughs> is that one of the things that you can do to also, when you don't know what to do, is to remember that students do appreciate when the teachers leave them alone and are not constantly monitoring them. So when you do like a group activity or use any of these activities because you're trying to figure out how to improvise what to do next, give them a task, give the students some group activity to do and leave them alone. Don't walk around. <laughs> and Key words there, really. You're absolutely right. Leave them alone. I cannot emphasize this enough. I cannot emphasize this enough because when I ask, if you ask students who would like me to listen to your conversation, to your group work, in 34 years of teaching, three students have raised their hands. (laughs) And there's an argument here, pedagogically, that 
giving students the space to make mistakes when they're practicing an activity and doing an activity is valuable. It reduces their stress. They're not worried about what the teacher thinks. They're not trying to get things correct. They're in a more playful mode. They're trying things out. They're taking risks. Leave them alone. It benefits them. And you can sit in front of the class and say, "Uh oh, what am I doing after this? And you have now time to plan. And once you get pretty good at it, like I can pretty much hear a conversation in the back of the room, even though my ears are still bad. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know that you can you you can you learn that as a teacher. You walk, look at the class. You can hear the back row. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I can hear it because then when you turn to the back row and you say, "Hey, group number eleven, why are you speaking Japanese?" and they're like, "Well, how do you know?" (laughs) But for beginning teachers, it's impossible in the beginning. This is a skill that will come to you over time. This is a skill that will come to you over time, but. I can't emphasize that enough about it's and it's a segue point from what we've been talking about, Tony, but leave them alone. Let them work together, you know, um, and and it's it's kind of interesting that for a, a lot of the things that we're talking about, the time savers and also these emergency uh, activities, um, a lot of them, most of them. Do just that. Exactly. It's 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 a, it's a chill. It's a breaking. It, it's a break of that teacher talking paradigm. It's like okay, we're going to stop this because it's not working. Um, you guys go do this thing, and and I'm going to bug out a little bit. Uh, and that's the pattern in a lot of these things. And yeah, as you said, this is a good thing. Yeah, and I think you'll find that most of the time that things aren't working is because you're talking. Yeah, too much. Right. I use that. So whenever I see that happening, I immediately go into some kind of pull out these hat things, you know, kind of a group activity. But honestly, as the more I've taught, started teaching, the less I talk. Um, You know, I'm I'm basically, I think, down to 15 minutes of, of talking now. In a class, I want my students on task for 75 minutes, if possible. And um, the problem becomes that they finish the task earlier than I think, or they might take more time in the task. But most of the time, it's not me talking. But I do know that if I see the class kind of, if I'm losing the class, it's usually because I'm talking too much. But it's kind of more support for you know, a student-centered classroom, an interactive classroom, I think. Anyway, anything else you want so, to add? And yeah, well, just 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 as you were talking, it's like, we took, again, it's like, I can't help I'm envisioning the situation. I was like, oh, yeah, we could do this. Um, put them in the groups. Each group makes three questions. One question about whatever we were just doing in class. Second question, general question about English. Third question, something about the teacher. 10 minutes. Right. Uh, it's it's not hard. And it, it sounds like a punt. It really is not bad. The kids are going to get together. They're going to discuss their ideas. They're going to be talking about things. They're going to formulate the questions. They're going to correct each other. Um, and, again, you've broken that teacher talking paradigm that is such a killer. <laughs> it's lethal. Yes, I completely agree. And I think that 
one of the things to realize is that all the the things that usually result for me in more student working together, group work and stuff, are the the things that I'm improvising. There's not a single improv- improvisation, improvisation here that you and I have talked about that is teacher-centered. Correct. There's nothing that anyone could argue about in terms of pedagogy, right? It's all right. legit. It all results in increased production from the students, higher rates of interaction, less teacher talk. You tell me what's wrong with anything about these things. And it shocks me and surprises me that students, when they're doing their teacher training, get no experience with these kinds of things. It's not included in any of their pedagogy classes, as far as I know. Well, it's good they got you for a teacher. Yeah, well, you know. But ah, before we finish, by the way, the other thing is tweaking. Just remember tweaking. Little changes. That's where where the art is, right? Yeah, right, exactly. That's where it's at. So we got all these interesting ideas, but – you're different. Each of you listening is different, and the way you teach is different. Each of each of your classes, not just the, your, your set of classes, but each of the class you have, they're all different. And for each of those classes, and, and sometimes individuals within those classes, um, there's a magic combo, <laughs> and that's where the art is. So when you kind of make it. So, you know, whatever it is, maybe you're teaching a class of engineers, it's going to be really different if you're teaching a class of like kids in a, air, you know, women's college within, in an airline program. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have to do this a, a really different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, and that's where, that's where the work is. And so, yeah, in, in class, it saves you some time, maybe. And, in, in emergencies, some of these things can save you, but uh, it requires that combination of thought, insight, uh, sensitivity, and skill to kind of throw it together and put it out there in a way that like, bam, yeah, it turned your class around and that everybody's happy and everyone's speaking English. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. That's where the art comes in. And this idea um, that I can't emphasize enough for people who are just starting out in the field is tweaking. Make little changes to things can have big effects, large effects on how the activity works. So, you know, do something if you're doing, um, you know, an activity, for example, as I said, you know, do nouns and change it to adverbs. Change the tense of something, okay? If you're doing something, for example, like in the group where everybody writes their paper, Tony, that you said, right? You know, and then the who am I activity. Right. Well, right. simple tweak. Put yeah, everybody's future, papers past. together. Put everybody's paper together. Put the students into different groups. Pass out the papers. Now they have to figure out who you're talking about in the whole class. It's a one little change. So you could take that one activity, tweak it, and now you've got another recycling of the same activity, but now it's a little bit different, so it holds students' interest. I cannot emphasize that enough as well, is learning how to tweak things, make those little changes that really increase efficiency and effectiveness. And, and, and you have to keep tweaking it. Right. You have to keep doing it. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hone it. You're going to polish it. You're going to sharpen it. 
And then one day it's not going to work and you're going to be back. In this, and have Just to, when you think you got it perfect, right, exactly. you're going to want to yeah, I got. I know, I know what I'm going to do here. I'm going to do this because it always works and then it doesn't. Right, exactly. And then you're, you're going to crash and burn again and rinse and repeat time, right? And um, yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, maybe a good place to stop, Tony, on failure. I think on our so. consistent and constant. Before we crash and burn, crash and, and burn again. Much. Yeah, that's the other thing. Just remember, you're gonna you're gonna crash and burn, and you're gonna crash and burn again. It's just like a video game, you know. <laughs> you just reset. Okay, I think we've covered some things. I think people have some good takeaways. Yep. Okay. All right, Tony. So. Let's f- so two teachers talking everywhere. Everywhere, and you guys know where to find us. And uh, as always, Tony. And please do. I mean, uh, send in some comments and stuff. So. Right. We always like hearing what you guys have to say. Okay. All right. Okay, Tony. Well, you have a good one over in Mexico, okay? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you guys stay cool in Japan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, we're not even into August yet. Okay. So, okay. Be well, Tony. All right. Take care. Bye.